0: Well, hey, I'm excited to introduce to you our first conference speaker. His name's Lance Faulkner. Um, Lance has been a really near and dear friend for me for quite some time. When me and Ashley moved here to Beaumont with the call to plants, um, Lance just took me under his wing and he began investing and poured into me and my wife and our church. and. Um, I just knew I wanted him to come and to speak life into us. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, Pastor Lance is actually one of the overseers here at our church, and it's a great privilege and honor. So give him a big redemption round of applause for Lance Faulkner. Is that corduroy? Oh, my gosh. I love it. All right, guys. Well, my name's Lance. Let me inter- uh, I'm, that's my introduction. Uh, I know some of you. I am uh, I'm very sarcastic, and so a lot of times I mean things in a mean way, but I say it with a smile on my face, so I would mean it still, though. It makes it all right, I guess. But anyway, um, I, I just have... <clears throat> I appreciate Byron, uh, I tell people, so, I mean, I, obviously, I'm trying to get past my introduction so I can get on to uh, what I need to talk about, so uh, congratulations, five years, yay. Uh, you are uh, you are now ready for kindergarten. That's, whenever we planted our church, it was like, man, this has been, you know, we've been here for four, five, four, five, six, seven years, and it was like... God, we're still babies, you know, because, you know, four or five years old, a lot to do, a lot of things to do ahead of time, uh, a lot of things to do uh, coming up, is what I'm trying to say. So I'm excited for you whenever I, I've dealt with churches here in Beaumont, and whenever we talk about you, talking uh, talk about redemption, I tell them, yeah, I like redemption, we've supported them in the past, we'll support them in the future, whatever they need to do. Some of my favorite things about this church is that they are doing what they said they wanted to do. Like whenever a lot of churches, I look, man, no. Preachers lie all the time and uh, uh, they exaggerate. We embellish, but uh, you know we're, we're, we want to do this. We want to do this. We want to do this. And once they start, they kind of don't do those things. And it's like I love that uh, what Pastor Byron's done, and he continues to do what he said he wanted to do. And uh, so I applaud that and love it. And that's why we uh, support, that's why I continue to you know uh, to love, support, uh, pray for you guys. So all right, let's get to it. Happy five years. First Chronicles chapter fourteen. I'm talking about breakthrough tonight. Because that's what people talk about. Breakthrough. Whenever you only have one time, you're like, you gotta have some breakthrough message, right? So, uh, uh, we're gonna start in First Chronicles chapter 14. We're gonna read this story about David. There are three parts to this message. So, I pray that you will connect with at least one of them. All right. So, here we go. Uh, First Chronicles chapter 14, verse uh, four. Uh, chapter blah, whatever it should be up here somewhere. Y'all see it? Uh, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel. They went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and he went out to meet him. So, what that means is, you're going to come get me? I don't think so. I'm going to come get you. So, I mean, David, David is David's the man. And uh, so now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. So, David inquired of God, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord, said, uh, the Lord answered him said, Go, I will deliver them into your hands. So, David and his army, uh, David and his men went up to Bel Perizim, and uh, there he defeated them. As waters, uh, I'm glad, Andy. Thank you. Somebody just texted me, said that they were watching me. Uh, uh, so as David and his men went up uh, to Bel Perazim, and there they defeated them. And as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So this place is called Bel Perazim. The Philistines had abandoned their gods there, and David gave orders to burn them. And fire. Once more, the Philistines raided the village. David inquired of God again, and God answered, Do not go directly after them, but circle around and attack them from the front uh, of the trees. And as soon as you hear the, mar- the sound of marching in the tops of the trees, move out to battle, because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as God commanded. And they struck down the Philistine army. So David fought these guys twice. Philistines. There's a lot of pictures in the Old Testament. Philistines uh, are often just a, a a battle that we face. Uh, it's a reoccurring battle. It's a it's an enemy. They can represent a lot of things. It's a, it's the they are the enemies of God. They are the enemies of your life as well. And David fought these guys twice. Now the place is called bel Perazim, which means, uh, and now the way it's well, okay, I won't get to the history anyway. It um it means. God broke out against you here. So instead of saying like this is like like uh, like this is Bethel, this is the house of God, God only mentioned uh, in the fact that he defeated an enemy there. And so what David's doing is he's actually punking out the Philistines by naming this place what he names it. And so this is the place where God breaks through through me against my enemy. And so. Anyway, so he defeated the army once. They came back. He asked God again. God said, here, I w- you're going to defeat him, but we're going to do it a different way. And looking at David's story and others just like it, all through the Old Testament, there are three major things for breakthrough. Now, these are the most simple things that you're going to hear, and this is what I, I believe about about the American church, about us, uh, about people, because we have such great access to everything now that simple is no longer appreciated. We won't complicate it, but I want to tell you something. If you complicate your life, you're not going to enjoy your life. The more simple your life is, the better off you're going to be, I promise you. And so don't, don't undervalue simple. All right, so three things For breakthrough. Number one, and these are all through the Old Testament, especially in this story, is uh, prayer. Number one, prayer, all right? I think uh, to to others, you're like, prayer. Wow, are we paying this guy? I know, I know. (laughs) You're not, in case you're wondering. Uh, To others, prayer might look like a waste of time, but when you're waiting on God, you're never wasting time. As a matter of fact, you'll waste more time trying to fix what you should have waited on instead of waiting. So here's David. Oh, stop, stop. stop, i got, I got too much to say. Um, so here's David. Okay, let's, let's say there's a, a new guy in the army, all right? He's like, David, King David, the Philistines, I can see them. They're right there. David goes, all right, what do you want to do? What do you want to do, David? Hold on. And he goes back to his tent. And the new guy's like, what's he doing? <laughs> the older, the older soldier could be like, it's okay, he does it all the time. Don't worry about it. So a few minutes later, maybe an hour later, we don't know how long it was. David comes out, he goes, All right, guys, let's go kill him. So they go and they do it. Yay! We win. So they do it again. The the Philistines come back and they raid the arm, they raid the valley again. We don't know how long it transpired, what what type of time frame we're talking about. So they do it again. Young guy, Philistines, we can see him, David. David goes, yeah, all right. Excuse me. And he goes back to his tent. And the young guy's probably like, he's going to do this every time, huh? It's just what he does. It's just how he rolls, man. I don't know. He's probably playing the harp in there, you know. And um, so he comes back out and he goes, all right, guys, I got a plan. We're going to do it. But we're going to go over there where those trees are. And when, when we hear horses and marching in the trees, we're going to go kill them. Like, what are you doing in that tent, man? That's the weirdest thing, like, like for real, because uh, what, what are you doing? So anyway, so here's the point. You're going to waste more time by not praying than you will by waiting on God and praying. You're going to have to fix what you shouldn't have had to fix in the first place. So without prayer, no prayer, no breakthrough, end of story. Now, if you say, well, I don't really know how to pray, that's your problem. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm just saying, I know believers that are like, well, I've been a believer for 20 years and my prayer life's not very good. Well then, you're, you're, you're the problem, guys. Like, like, here, let me help you real fast. If I was gonna take you, if I said, I'm gonna give you two weeks, and I'm gonna put you in my boat, I'm gonna take you out to the middle of the river and throw you in the river and drive away. And you go, well, I don't know how to swim. I'll say, you got two weeks to figure it out. You probably figure it out right well you got something more important than just breathing right now well i'm talking about the potential to have incredible breakthrough in your life and in your family's life but you got to learn to pray so here's what to do take the take the prayers in the bible and memorize them well i don't really want to memorize stuff well then you don't want to learn to pray so take the prayers in the bible you can learn to pray through those take the model prayer if you walk through the model prayer and you do what it says you'll spend 30 minutes in prayer and you won't even realize it I'm saying it's your job as believers, it's my job as a believer to learn to pray. The options are out there. Give it time. No prayer, no breakthrough, end of story. That's all there is to it. Number two, second step, super easy, obey. That's easy. In the passage, there's two breakthroughs, there's two victories, there's two armies that are defeated, and there's two different strategies. Now here, you know, sometimes God is going to tell you to do things that might not make sense to you, sometimes they won't make sense to other people, and that's okay, and it might look weird to them, but more importantly, what you're gonna experience most of the time, it's gonna be against your human nature. God's obedience will usually lead us to a place where we're kinda like, well, I don't know, that's really not, that's not me, you know, and that's good, because when it ain't you, hopefully, as God. So, anyway, now, here you go. Anyway, you, you know David coming out of the tent saying, we're going to go do the tree thing here, whatever. So, third element. Okay, prayer, obedience, and then God does this thing, and it's supernatural. God, whenever people prayed through the Old Testament, and then they obeyed, God did something supernatural. Over and over. But if there wasn't prayer and if there wasn't obedience and there wasn't action on our part, there was never a supernatural thing. You would be really hard pressed to find that in the Old Testament. Even whenever the sun stood still, if you know that story, do you know why the sun stood still? Is it because the Israelites had already marched for about 36 hours and had fought all day, and the sun was going down. And God was like, "Well, I don't want the sun to go down. I don't want you all to finish fighting." Boom. <laughs> I mean, he did. It wasn't just because God was like, "Oh, watch this." He's not showing off. He's saying, uh, "You obey, and I will do." what you can't do. Unfortunately, most of the time we don't get there. So breakthrough involves prayer, obedience, and supernatural. So maybe you are needing to see breakthrough in some area of your life. Maybe it's for personal. uh, uh, Maybe you're praying for a family member. Maybe you're praying for somebody's heart to change that you're close to. Maybe it's you're praying for a new job. Maybe you're praying for some strength and you're needing breakthrough in your own personal life to overcome things that you deal with, all right? So there's, there's so many ways to talk about breakthrough, so I want to talk about it in this real personal way, personal breakthrough, personal change. This is about a 20, 28-hour message that got not long left, so there's going to be a lot of gaps, there's a lot of gaps and there's a lot of holes, Okay. So there's a lot of gaps, there's a lot of holes in this. But if you'll kind of like just engage yourself and make the connection at the point that's connecting to you, and kind of do a little bit on your own, I promise, this will help you to change. So uh, here's how I want to think about God. God is a forward-moving God, and I, I like to throw up in my mouth every time I say this. God, God is progressive. Now, God is not a pro- he's not progressive. God is not growing. Okay, God does not know. God is not learning anything right now. There's nothing that God has learned recently because he knows everything from a billion years ago to a billion years from now. He already knows everything. He can't get more kind because he's already the perfection of kindness. He can't have more mercy. He's the perfection of mercy. He in no way is changing, growing, evolving, or learning, all right? But we are. We are growing learning, and I don't like to use the word evolving because it has a negative connotation, but we're growing, and and God works progressively in us. He's moving us. What that means is is, is he's constantly moving us forward. So the words that describe the work of God, progressive. God's work in your life, it's progressive. In other words, he's always moving you forward. God's work in your life is, is a growing thing. He's always working to move you forward, to grow you. It's learning, transforming, maturing. The work of God in your life is never categorized or never described by these words, stagnant or stuck, okay? Those are not the words that describe the work of God. Now, God wants to move you from your Egypt to your promised land, and he wants to move you from your Egypt to your promised land in every area of your life, the fullness of your life, the wholeness, the totality of your life, but he wants to move you from the Egypt of your life to the promised land in your thinking, he wants to move you from the bondage where you struggle and you have problems with your, uh, with your character to the place of total freedom. He wants to move you from the Egypt of your relationships to the promised land of your relationships. He wants to move you from the Egypt of your feelings <laughs> to your promised land of your feelings. I believe feelings are a big deal. Because, um, and, and, and I've, I've told... I tell our people all the time, like, and I've even started using ungodly feelings. You know, you can have ungodly feelings and ungodly emotions, but they are birthed from ungodly thinking. So, if you have an, if you have jealousy, if you get have anger, if you whatever the whatever you want to categorize as ungodly thinking or ungodly feeling, it it exists because it is uh, there is unbiblical thinking taking place in your life. So we take care of the unbiblical thinking, which fixes the unbiblical emotions. So. God can actually fix our emotions by reshaping our minds. So He's trying to get us from places of bondage to places of life and places of freedom. Now Satan is the opposite of God. He wants you to be stuck. That's his goal. Here's here, this describes the work of Satan: stuck, <laughs> stagnant, no progress, no growth. He wants. To hinder the advancement of your life, the personal growth of your life, the maturing process of your life, and he wants to to destroy the progress of your life. So with that in mind, here's what I want. uh, Real simple phrases. Hold on to these, okay? This is how God works in our life, right? God works in our life through seasons, all right? There are always different things that happen at different times. In a season, and the result of that season, the result of God working in seasons in our life is 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 harvest. So, uh, whenever you think about a plot of ground, there is uh, there's harvest time, there's plowing time, there's prepping time, there's rest time. In other words, there's times that are, that works going on deep down, and there's not a lot. But the result of seasons is always the same thing: it's fruit. It's growth. It's progress. So you're, how God deals with us, he deals with us in seasons. You will have seasons where you are super busy, and then you'll have seasons of rest, and you'll have seasons where God is plowing up some ground. And what does that look like? He's going through your life. Well, man, we need to get this and take care of it. I need to throw that out. I need to dig down a little bit deeper. And you're like, but not right there, Lord, it hurts. And he's like, no, that's, that's what we're going to work on right now. What is this rock doing here? And he's going to do some work, and other people aren't really going to see it. And then he's going to plant some stuff. And then you're going to see a little growth happening. And then you see some harvest, and you see some fruit. But the purpose of seasons is that it always produces fruit. Now, the goal is not that it produces fruit 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every you know, 52 weeks a year. The goal is that it is, always in, it is always being worked on by the gardener, and he is always working so that you will never be barren. Okay. That's what seasons do. God works on it. And here's the cool thing. You don't have to be hyper-spiritual and go, I'm just in a season of rest. Come on. <laughs> you don't have to identify the seasons for them to be working in your life. You just have to follow well, okay? So just, just, we, just, we just follow. You don't have to... I hate it people go, I think I'm just doing a season of preparation. I'm like, all right, shut up. So, <laughs> so God works, God works in seasons. I don't ever do this. I hate it when people do this. So let's just do it together. God works in? Seasons. Right. God works in seasons. Satan works in cycles. God works in seasons. Satan works in cycles. And Here's what, here's what I mean. Y'all know what a cycle is, right? Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. It's the same thing over and over again, and it produces a lot of movement, but it doesn't produce any progress. And I think the easiest way that Satan works against us is to keep us in cycles where we're doing good, but in truth, it's just a bunch of movement and it's not any progress. And I'm gonna tell you a few things in just a minute, and what's gonna happen is you're gonna go, well, I, you're, you, and listen, if you say, man, the devil's just working on me, I, I've been in cycles. The devil's not working on you anymore because once you're in a cycle, he doesn't care about you. I got I know people that that devil's so far away from them and they blame him for everything and I'm like the devil is not even anywhere close to you right now because you're you're just doing this. Don't blame him. We equate movement to growth. We equate action to fruitfulness and they're not the same thing. A cycle is just something that you live with to keep you in the same place where you are where people constantly relive the same problems over and over again and they blame somebody else for the problems. Let me give you church hoppers. Any church hoppers here? Don't raise your hand. I, can, I, I, probably, I don't need any help. I can smell you out, all right? I can. Um, so here's my favorite. So I've been pastoring, we've been at, at Bridgepoint for 17 years and, uh, and and and, you know, let me just give you church hoppers, all right? And, and listen, God moves people around in the body, absolutely. Just, he just does, but he usually doesn't do it on a rotating basis all the time. So, so here's, uh, here's, some, here's church hopper. Pastor, ah, oh, man, this is my third time here, and I wanna tell you, you're preaching. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I mean, like, I haven't been fed in so long And right whenever they say that, I'm like, look, you got to stop doing that because I don't, I'm not interested because I do not. That's so old. And I'm like, like, stop, all right? Like, I I, I haven't been fed in so long. And the worship, oh my gosh, it is unbelievable. And the people here are so. Amazing. So, so they finally start to get involved. So year one's great. Year one's a honeymoon year. And then year two, they start serving, and then they start kind of bumping up against some people who don't think that they hung the moon or whatever. And then, uh, and then year three, they're like... like that in worship. You know, it kind of like goes downhill. And by the, by the end of year three, they're gone. And they, you know what? They're at another church. And you know what they're saying to the pastor? Your preaching is so... I haven't been fed in so long Just a cycle. Now, let's let's make fun of people with jobs too. Okay, I mean not that. I mean, have you ever had the people that, that you you got a job? Uh, you know that person who had a job and uh, it didn't work out very well because that guy's boss was an idiot. So it didn't work out. So they got another job, and they worked out for, well for a little while. Shortly after that, man, that my boss is an idiot. So that that didn't work out. So they found another job. And that one didn't work out very well. It took a little while. And what did they say? That, my boss is an idiot. Guys, I'm not saying that all bosses are bright. I'm a boss, I know I ain't bright. <laughs> but, but there's a pattern and you're the problem. What about relationship? What about your marriage? Are you in a season or are you in a cycle? Here's how, are you dealing with the same problems today that you were dealing with three years ago? If that's true, you're in a cycle. You are not in a season, and this is very, very personal to me. I've been married for twenty. This is our twenty. January, uh, June will be our twenty-first year, twenty-one years of marriage. And and me and my wife, we lived ten years in cycles. We we would do this. It would, This is just what we look like. Our entire, everything of us was like, we just, hey, babe, it's good to see you. we loving each other. Everything's going well. We're kind of, well, we're not really talking as much. We're, we're kind of getting irritated with each other. We don't want to be around each other. We don't talk. We're real passive-aggressive. We're not being, we don't even, I don't even know if we're going to make it or not. Okay, well, we're going to talk about it a little bit. All right, things are getting better. All right, here we go. Okay, things are good. You know we like being around each other. Well, okay, we're kind of not talking much, and and uh, and and so forth and so on. You get you get the picture, right? I don't have to keep doing this. So, so. <laughs> for as dumb as this looks, this represents what most people's marriages look like, because they just walk in circles. They just deal with the same thing, and they never break out of the cycles. God changed something in our life and I can't remember, I don't I couldn't tell you exactly when it happened and I can but I, what I can tell you is that marriage is good. Marriage is good. And I if if my wife dies, I'll probably be single cuz I don't want nobody else. And she's hot too. She's not here. <laughs> but I'm telling you if you're dealing with the same things you were dealing with three years ago, you're just in a cycle. You're not in a season, and you don't know how good marriage can be. In your relationships, you are still dealing with the same issues that you were dealing with two years ago? If you are, you're in cycles. Uh, do you still get your feelings hurt easily? Do you think that you know people's motives? Are your relationships life-giving, or are they drama? You got. You don't have a season. You're trapped in a cycle. What about money? man, I just need a raise. You get the raise, and then you're like, crud, I still ain't got no money. You're in a cycle. What about your thoughts? You still struggle with the same thoughts that you had three years ago? You still struggle with the same desires? You're in a cycle. You're not in a season. God will grow you through seasons, and cycles keep you in the same place. And don't do this, please. Don't go, well, you know, I'm working on it. Uh, guy's like, hey, how's how's that struggle with pornography? I'm I'm working on doing better. Well, how long have you been working? How long have you been struggling with it? I don't know, a decade. Okay, here. <laughs> like you need you need some help. Like get some help. Get out of the cycle. It's just. A cycle. So finding out that you're in a cycle can be really difficult, but know this, you can't fix what you misdiagnose. So if you don't diagnose it correctly, you're never going to fix the problem. And what we want to do is we want to blame people because who wants to say I'm stuck in a cycle and it's my fault? Nobody wants to do that. So we misdiagnose it and we never get it fixed. So I want to tell you four, uh, I wrote them down as four fingerprints of the devil. And, And this is what, I'm used to the screen being right here and pointing to it. Four fingerprints of the devil. So uh, look for these things in your life. Number one, deception. Now, obviously, deception um, is—that's actually the goal of the devil. So, the the goal of a cycle is that you're in, that you're being deceived. And if you're deceived, you don't know it. He wants you to come up with a million reasons why something's not true. He wants you to come up with a a million reasons why why it's everybody else's fault. And listen, if you talk to somebody and and uh, uh, if you have a problem and nobody understands you and nobody gets you, you're deceived. I've had people talk to me about a problem and I'm like, do you not see this? And they're like, you just don't get it. And I'm like, apparently I don't. Talk to another person. Exact same counsel, and they say the same thing. You just don't get it. I'm like, I don't. I do get it. But I get that you don't get it. <laughs> and that's what's sad, because we can't break out of cycles because we don't want to admit that we're in one. So if everybody else sees it and you don't, you've been deceived. Division. Has something brought division between you and somebody else? Marriages, friendships, churches, families, businesses, any of those things? Uh, here, here's how we talk about division. And, and golly, we dress up pigs and say that they're pretty and they're not. And this is what we do. We dress this up and we say, like, do uh, have you, have you ever have to gather anybody to your side of the story? I mean, it may not be a big deal. We're going to get into some real examples here later on in a few minutes. <laughs> Uh, you know, we try to gather people so they'll know that we, you know, well, we kind of gather. like, and it's not so much that we're trying to get on my team, get on my team, but we're, we're wanting people to know, hey, look, there was a problem and I'm, this is how I handle it. And da, 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 da. so listen, if you're ever casting yourself as a victim, you're causing division. You just need to know that because our culture, dear Lord, we're all victims. I'm a victim of a white family. I'm so dang white and I can't do anything about it. My mom's racist because all she had was white children. It's actually hysterical. I don't really care what you're thinking. but um, (laughs) We're all victims. But whenever we start playing the victim card, you're causing division. You're in a cycle. The devil doesn't care why or who's right. All he cares about is there's a wall between people. And whenever there's a wall, there's a cycle, and he's winning. Number three is Diversion. Uh, Let let me tell you something. In our culture, I did a series over fear and anxiety. Uh, Anxiety is through the charts. The levels of anxiety for a common 13-year-old today is the same as a person from the 50s who was institutionalized. (laughs) Like, anxiety is through the roof. Anxiety is one of the greatest uh, diversions that we have in our culture. It's real. But, think, but, but there's other things as well. But listen, like whenever our desires change from godliness to earthly stuff, we've been diverted. Uh, and it can happen whenever we just move our focus from kingdom stuff just to the me stuff. We can do that with being offended. We get our feelings hurt. We're worried too much about the future. There's countless things that, we can, do that, that can divert our attention away from what really matters. So here's what matters. Follower of Christ... Here's what matters, that your life is part of changing other people's lives. That's right. So that means salvation. That means church. That means whatever you're doing, whatever you're invested in, you're invested in whatever sports your kids are playing, you're invested in that sport to help see families changed. okay? So so whenever that kind of gets kind of like, oh, yeah, that doesn't really resonate well, you've been diverted. And number four is discouragement. When you feel, what's the point? When you say what's the point? Whenever you don't you go, why bother? Things aren't gonna change. Or you feel like it's not really not really gonna work anyway. When you feel that way, you are in a cycle, and listen, it takes a lot of courage to break out of a cycle, to change the way that you think. It takes a lot of courage to refuse to have the same marriages that you've seen. It takes uh, courage to, to respond to adversity different than you've been taught and different than you've seen. It takes, it takes courage to step out and to try something new. God works in seasons. Seasons always bring growth. The devil works in cycles. Cycles simply keep us busy but leave us right where we were. Seasons change over time. Cycles only change with people, right? So seasons, whatever season you're in, it'll change. But if you're in a cycle, it'll never change. That'll only change whenever you change. So here's the point. God is the God of breakthrough. David prayed, he heard, he obeyed, and God gave him a strategy, and boom, he defeated the enemies of his life. So know this, you are one one strategy away from having a life-giving marriage. You are one strategy away from having an impacting ministry. You are one strategy away from walking in total freedom. One breakthrough. So for your church, this is what I want you to hear. You will never see the kind of impact that you want if the individuals in your church are caught up in personal cycles. You can be as bold as you want to be, but if you're not breaking out of cycles... You'll never see God working, and you'll always wonder why. Why am I not? We are praying. We are bold. We are, we are inviting. We are giving. We are, we are serving. We are doing everything. If redemption is caught up individually in cycles, this is all you're going to do. And you're just going to have a lot of movement, and you're going to have a lot of wondering, why isn't God doing what he said he was going to do. So here's the major cycle that you're going to be facing. The most difficult thing that you will ever, uh, the, most, the, the most problematic thing, the most difficult thing I tell our church that the number one problem with growing, trying to grow a church in a small town is people get offended. Right. You just do, we do. Get the book, it's The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. <laughs> It'll change your life, right. all right? So um, once you get offended... It just becomes a cycle. So how does this work? All right, let's use the band. I don't know any of you guys. I mean, obviously they're not up here right now, but I'm saying I don't know, I don't know any of these guys. But let me tell you, so I'm a pseudo musician. That means I play a little bit of everything and not very good at any of it. So, but I've been around bands and I love to play and I'm, they don't let me play anymore and I'm trying. To, but but uh, guys, you can attest to this. You can visit with the band later on. This is the most difficult place to walk, to continue to walk in humility and consider this a service to the Lord as opposed to greeting, welcoming, serving in children's ministry. It's a lot more difficult. You've got to constantly keep your heart in check. And so this is what happens, because uh, musicians not these guys uh, I guess, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> it can be, be kind of sensitive. I didn't do it my way. I didn't get to sing. It's one of my favorites. Well, that's kind of my song. I'm like, you ain't got no song. (laughs) Uh, We don't do that, you know. You know what I'm saying, right? And and somebody could get their feelings hurt. Uh, I'll tell you, my uh, I was I I was at this church for a long time, and uh, we had one keyboard player, and he's the only keyboard player that played. He wasn't going to be at church for a couple, you know, for a Wednesday night. So he said, Lance, can you do this? And I was like, yes. Yes, I can. This was back when you had to do paper. You had to find chord charts. And so I found all the music. I practiced for two days the set list. I was down. I was ready. I was good. I was like, let's bring it on. We're doing the countdown. Little clock's going. And I'm like, all right, here we go, guys. Band, y'all ready? They're like, yeah, bring it on. And I look at the door, and the keyboard player walked in. And I went, hey. And he said, you coming up here, huh? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and sure enough, he did. And so, and I, and, you know, I did what any good godly person did. I walked down the side and walked to the restroom, and I griped to God because <laughs> my feelings were hurt. God told me real clear, he said, why, "Why? what's the problem? And I said, I busted my rear for two days. I mean, I spent like, like four and a half, five, six hours practicing four songs. What's the point of what's going on? I'm like, well, worship. And he goes, do you think I care who's playing? I was like, oh. I said, I'm sorry. There's a couple of times where God's been real harsh and very, 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 very real. And this was one of them in his bathroom. And he said, do you think I care who's playing right now? And I just had to say, no, I don't think you do. I think worship's the point, and I missed the point, but I got the point now. And so I learned, I've learned through several things about offense, and God has been very abrupt with me. But we get our feelings hurt. We didn't get treated the way we wanted to get treated. We didn't get what we wanted. Uh, we didn't. Nobody cares about our opinion. Whatever it is, when that starts, you're stepping right into a cycle. The second that you feel that way, if you don't deal with it, you will have a cycle. And it will never go away until you confront it. But the problem is you're always going to blame somebody else for it. So how do you start? <laughs> Apart from figuring it out, right? God works in seasons. The devil works in cycles. How do you know you're in a cycle? I gave you four things. What's the first thing you can do about it? Uh, there's actually another, you know, a lot of things that we would talk about. i want to give you the easiest thing. Um, any, Any... Any old-time theologian reader like read old theologian books, Brandon. Brandon? (laughs) I don't know what a. All right. Uh, What is the chief end of man to glorify glorify God and? Oh, that's sad. You you got the abridged version. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Anyway, uh, that's a. uh, uh, What is the what's what the Westminster Confession? Anyway. Uh, smart people summarizing stuff in the Bible. Uh, chief in a man is to glorify God. Isaiah talks about that. We exist to glorify God. Okay, so here's what I want you to know. In everything that you do, everything, every part of your life, you simply exist to do this, to bring glory to the Lord. That's the end of the the story. Uh, That means that that there's nothing in our life that is excluded from bringing him honor, from glory, from pointing the attention to him, to making a big deal out of him. In your winning, we glorify God. In your losing, you glorify God. In your suffering, we glorify God. In your pain, we glorify God. In our joy, we glorify God. So when you're offended, I want to tell you, When your feelings are hurt, when your emotions don't line up with what life is. So can I say that? Life in the Bible, life, peace, patience, joy, this kind of thing overflowing. When your emotions don't line up with that, there's a problem. And the first thing that you need to do is you need to say, God, how can you be glorified in this? I wasn't treated right, or at least I don't think I was treated right. How can I glorify you in this moment? When you're hurt, Lord? How can you be glorified in my pain? And whenever you're offended, like like for real, because you're all you're all gonna be offended sooner or later. I mean, you just are. You don't want to call. It, like I said, we dress it up. We call it you know something nice, but it's it's just offense. You can pick up whatever you want to call it. But I like the way you ducked down right there, like we didn't see you. <laughs> When you don't get what you want, when somebody at church doesn't treat you like you want to be treated, don't respond to them, you respond to the Lord. And you say, Father, I don't feel like I've been treated well. How can you be glorified in this right now? And if you listen for just a minute, he might tell you to do something that's not really like you. Like, i just pray for that person and bless them in in the name of Jesus. Like, oh, no, (laughs) that wasn't what I wanted to hear. They don't know they hurt your feelings. Why don't you go give something to them? Hmm, no, not that one. Man, I've walked through this with women. You know, one of, the most, one of the most heart-wrenching things is whenever women can't conceive. And then they finally do, and then they have a miscarriage. And I've been with women that that has happened to. And they just look at me and they say, you know what? I just want God to be glorified in this. Because I don't want to get trapped. In my pain, I know that he can be glorified. And I'm like, you got it. You're a winner. You're never going to walk in a cycle with that attitude. And I want to tell you that whatever attitude you have, if we can just turn it to Father, I just want you to be glorified in it. That's a simple prayer. We just don't apply it in the moments where we really need to apply it. So I just want you to pray this with me real quick. Oh, by the way, I want this to be, I want 2021 to be called, I want y'all, I want, I want, I want redemption to say, 2021, we're gonna call that Bel because this is the year where God broke through in our church. Uh, that's what David called, that's what David called the place where he broke through the Philistines. This is where God did something that only God could explain, or we can only explain that God did it. Bel- Let 2021 be Bel for you. Individually, where you struggled and you struggled and you struggled, but God broke through. Let it be a church in the middle of downtown Beaumont with some kid pastor that just says, we're breaking through. God is going to do things that people haven't even seen. Bell Perizim. I want you to pray. I want you to ask the Lord right now. Very simple prayer. Lord, where do you want breakthrough in my life? Let's pray. Father, I I, I, I want you to pray that prayer and I'll pray for us in just a second.